Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hi, this is Dom DeLuise, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I wish for you what I wish for myself, leftover turkey. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> People are asking me, why? Why, Bob? Why are you playing those things, Bob? They make me laugh. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, December 2, 2021. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how you doing? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, day 317 of the Biden-Harris administration. 341 days until the 22 midterms. I am on Instagram. My handle is the Bob Seska. I'm on Twitter, too, at BobSeska underscore go. Okay, so... David's not here. Well, we have, you know what, just, let's just jump in. We've got a very special show for you today. That's right. Yep. Jody on the show. Jody's here. That's what we're waiting for. Yep. I'm gonna talk with Seska. That's I. And she wrecks some more. Not today. Nothing really grows with Jody on the show. With Seska. Jody on the show. Hi, Jody. Woohoo! Hi, Bob. Hello, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, Bob. Um, <laughs> it is uh, from the bunker, the, the from the bunker podcast, from dash the dash bunker.com, also patreon.com slash from the bunker. And uh, you know who else is here? We have a very special guest, someone who um, makes me think it's Friday and it's not Friday yet. It's still Thursday. Kimberly well, and Johnson. I, I haven't talked to her in forever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just yesterday. Kimberly Johnson is here from our Friday after party Yay! and, of course, from her. Very own podcast called Start Me Up. You can find it on Patreon, patreon.com slash start me up. Go and subscribe. Please do. If you love this show and you love Jody's show, you got to go and sign up for Kimberly's show because you have to complete the whole set. See, there's the (laughs) there's the Stephanie Miller extended cinematic universe. right? Right. And if you're not subscribed to all the different players, it's like watching one Marvel movie and then skipping five movies and then trying to catch up after not seeing them. All right, ladies. I'm surrounded by ladies. I I love this. Hello. 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 I didn't even say hello. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We got to talk to you about Jamie Harrison here in a few minutes. (laughs) It's an exciting development that's taking place on twitter uh just in the past i don't know a couple of hours yeah so uh we're gonna get into that here in in just a bit but first holy god i've got so much to say about donald trump testing positive for covid this is a bombshell story Uh out of the guardian here's what happened 
Saturday, September 26th. You know why that date is significant? Saturday, September 26th, 2020. That was the date of the massive super spreader event in the former White House Rose Garden. Now the Eastern European cement bunker, <laughs> the, the foliage cemetery that Melania Trump has replaced the Rose Garden with. And on the same day, I assume it was after, because Donald Trump was on his way. He was on Air Force One on his way to a rally. So it must have been after the super spreader event. Donald Trump had received word that he tested positive for COVID while on Air Force One. Again, this is just a few minutes after the super spreader event. So it's possible it's possible that Donald Trump was the source of all those people at the super spreader yes. event getting COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that both of you? Is, is that the read you're getting on this? That maybe oh, he yeah. was the guy. Yes. I mean, oh, it's yeah. possible he was one of many, but it seems like he's the one they're monitoring the most. Right. And he already had symptoms at that point. He was apparently having cold symptoms or something like that, looking worn down. Yeah, you could see it. Yeah. 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 Now that they're playing the video, especially at the debate when he was with Biden, mm-hmm. you can you can hear it in his voice. What? And remember he wanted to take down the plastic divider yes. between yes. them. Oh my God. So irresponsible. I've got lots to say about the Joe Biden aspect of yeah. all of this, the debate aspect of all of this. So what happened was you have that positive test. He's on Air Force One. They immediately go to retest, do a do a second test, which huh, I'm using this word in all caps allegedly negative. Mm-hmm. I don't know at this point, do either of you have any knowledge as to whether or not we have verification <laughs> of a second negative test? Because my instinct is to go, well, they're lying about yeah, it, so it's probably bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. But apparently this second negative test, he saw it as, quote, full permission to press on as if nothing had happened. But then the debate occurs on the 29th, just a few days later, on that Tuesday of the following week. So Saturday, 26th, he gets the positive test. Then he gets the, what we consider to be a bullshit negative test, which was probably maybe a false negative. I mean, at the very... Yeah, false negatives least. are more false me- negatives are more prevalent than false positives. Yes, yes. Yes. So that's entirely possible. Then on the 29th, a few days later, on a Tuesday, that's when the debate occurs. And as Mark Meadows describes it in his book, there was nothing that was going to stop Donald Trump from attending that debate, right? And apparently he barreled into the room. He was excited about it. Uh, And Greg Sargent had a a great piece in the Washington Post today uh, implicating the Trump family as well in all of this. I have this crazy theory now. And as I was mentioning on the Banter podcast earlier today, as we were recording that, I have no reason to give Donald Trump and his family the benefit of the doubt. There's no No. reason whatsoever. We should (laughs) never do that. Ever. I believe that Donald Trump wanted to infect Joe Biden. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. (laughs) 100%. Right. As soon as that positive test went down, he believed that if Joe Biden, and this is just my theory. Mm -hmm. Again, I have no evidence along these lines. But my theory is, that Donald Trump first didn't want to look weak. That's Donald Trump. That's one of his right. big things. I don't want to look weak. And I always project strength. We've read that a million times over the past five years. But also, I believe he thought that if Biden got the virus, uh, who would know? Who would know that Trump gave it to him? Right. So he would have, uh, you know, plausible deniability as far as that goes. 
And it would give Trump an advantage because it would expose, you know, this meme that continues today that Joe Biden is old and feeble and on death's door and he's got dementia and all this bullshit. And this would have emphasized that if Joe Biden had ended up in the hospital. Mind you, this is before, this is just a few days before Donald Trump ended up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So on Saturday, he gets the positive test. Tuesday, he's at the debate. And then the following Friday, less than a week after he gets the positive test, that's when Donald Trump is taken to Walter Reed. So at the debate... I think Trump wanted to give Biden yes. that yes. virus. and he was screaming at him. Yeah. And that's why he wanted the plastic yes. thing down. Yeah, yeah. no barriers. And he could scream. He screamed the whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. And he did. anybody who has been on social media, which we all know Donald Trump has, and regardless of the fucking idiots he followed, there, there have been those uh, memes of people sitting across the table from each other. Yeah. And when you're talking and it shows how far mm-hmm. when you're not wearing a mask, mm-hmm. you know, how far it reaches. So he knew that. Yeah. And he was screaming at him. Well, Greg Sargent wrote today, rightfully observing, that if you remember the footage from that particular debate, they would cut to the little peanut gallery they had set up, because there was no audience, obviously, because of COVID. But the Trump family was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and were. as Greg Sargent reminded us today, none of them were wearing masks. No, I remember that at the uh-huh. time, people going, why the fuck aren't right. they wearing masks? Yeah, they, I remember they came in and everybody, we all thought that, yeah. 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 So uh, Sergeant wrote today, everyone around Trump was apparently told he was potentially contagious and he even appeared potentially symptomatic, even as Trump roared into the debate as if the opposite were true. If this is right, then what happened at the debate is even worse than you thought. That's because multiple people around Trump, including his wife, Melania, and his kids, Donald Jr. and Eric, all sat maskless at the September 29 debate, according to contemporaneous reports, despite the fact that debate attendees were required to wear masks. As numerous reporters personally witnessed at the time, Trump's family members did this after rebuffing a direct request to mask up from a doctor with the Cleveland Clinic, which helped organize the debate. That doctor even offered them masks, and they declined. Yep. They declined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... He's basically involving, if my theory is true, that Donald Trump wanted to give the virus to Joe Biden, either to put him in the hospital or to kill him. Mm -hmm. I mean, please, someone give me evidence that I should give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt on this. Please tell me some reason why Donald Trump is redeemable beyond what I'm giving him credit for. I don't think that evidence exists. No. So, so on top of Trump spreading COVID all around every time he breathes and screams into his microphone... I'm surprised Chris Wallace didn't get COVID. Yeah, really. Sitting yeah. right there. But he also had his family. And we, we know for a fact that his family all tested positive. Barron mm-hmm. got it. Melania got it. His mm-hmm. White House family in particular ended up also testing positive at the same time Trump did. I mean, not on the 29th, but right around the time Trump was hospitalized, The right. you know, four days after the debate, three days after the debate. Uh, that's when we also learned that Melania had tested positive and Barron had tested positive. This fucking scumbag, this sociopath, was so irresponsible, he gave the virus to his child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gave it to his boy. I mean, he didn't run up and say, here's the virus. Right. <coughs> he didn't do that necessarily, but he certainly didn't do what he had to do. He certainly didn't right. follow the right protocols. Blasted right through all of that shit, didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. I mean, I, Lonnie's, uh, when he went to see his dad for his 80th birthday this past February, mm. obviously before we could get vaccinated, but his dad was good. Um, he was tested three t- two times before he left. Yeah. And then flew there and two different airports going there and two because where, where his dad lives. Mm-hmm. He can't fly nonstop. And then when he com- came home, I said, you're getting tested. <laughs> you're yeah. living in one part of the house. Yes. I'm living in the other part of the house. You're getting tested three days after you get home and then a week after that. There you go. And so it was 10 days. Mm-hmm. We were living in opposite sides of the house and masking up indoors mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to catch it and he blocked both times was negative so then mm-hmm. we could you know go back into normal but it was like yeah. there was no way that i was going to catch it because he left the house and he's supposed to go again in february certainly depending on omicron and stuff yeah. but um and we're all boosted so i'm not as concerned as i would have, as certainly as i was last year and the, again i'm I, he may not, I may not make him get tested going there because his dad is boosted and everybody out there is boosted. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly coming home, yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, and I'm not obviously a scientist. I'm not a physician. But the question I have, and, and maybe either of you could answer this for me, am I mistaken in believing that the positive test is the same COVID that he had on the second? Or did he somehow you know, test falsely positive on the 26th and then somehow get COVID between no. the 26th no. and, and October no. 2nd. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Cause that's, that's within the time period right. that you would be tested okay. positive. The, the negative test, if it indeed was negative <laughs> yeah. um, or if they actually tested him also mm. questionable, that was most likely a false negative. Okay. So the false test was the negative one. Right. The yes. accurate test yeah. was the positive yes. one. Yes. And it foretold Donald Trump's eventual, Walter Reed hospitalization on October 2nd. Okay. Yeah. So for an entire week, I mean, it's about six days, uh, Donald Trump walked around with COVID, with active COVID, with Mm -hmm. symptomatic COVID. He went to campaign events in Pennsylvania. He obviously, we've we've read about the, you know, military families he was meeting with. He attended the debate, interacted with all kinds of people there, including uh, Joe Biden. So the question is, at this point in time, and this is a very, very serious question, how many people did Trump deliberately infect and did anyone linked to those people end up dying Mm -hmm. as a consequence of what Donald Trump, how Donald Trump was behaving in the face of a positive COVID test? Were there deaths directly linked to Donald Trump's irresponsible COVID protocol? I think that's a real question that needs to be asked. I mean, have they, if they haven't already, they really need to start doing some sort of contact tracing. Well, that's the thing. Remember the debate prep? I believe six out of the seven people that were in the room with Donald Trump, including Chris Christie, got COVID. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Um, And remember Chris Christie's book that sold like, I think I could sell more books just by doing cat math, my (laughs) rendition of stick figures. But um, uh, his book states that Donald Trump called him up and said, you got COVID. Don't tell, you know, you're not going to tell people that I gave it to you. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. And And by the way, guys, before we before we move on, I just want to tell you some sad news. Eddie Mecca, the big ragu, has died. He's died. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that earlier. Another uh, 
Another Laverne and Shirley cast member. Well, he's off I with uh, Penny Marshall. I had such a crush on him when yeah. I was a kid. I never did. Such a crush <laughs> I never had a crush on him. You know, I go I from rags to riches. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah. I had such a crush on him when I was like eight. <laughs> he was a hell of a good dancer. I want to say he was in uh, A League of Their Own. The, there was some dancing at a Yes, at he a was club. in that. Oh, okay, all right. That was, was the same guy then. Because I was like, oh, you know what? That guy in A League of Their Own looks like the big ragu. That can't be the same guy. No, I'm, I'm completely picturing him in that. So, yes, I agree. Okay, all right. Uh, but, yeah, that is uh, very, very sad. And they didn't say whether it was COVID or anything, did they? They just said he died, uh, according to Variety, um, he died Saturday in Newhall. No, oh, that's a shame. Uh, uh, and no cause of death was given except that he passed away peacefully. So it doesn't sound like COVID because it's usually not a peaceful death. Yeah. Unless yeah. he didn't want any, unless they just gave him a morphine drip. Because my friend's mom, who died uh, Monday mm-hmm. um, of COVID, was 92. Wow. Yeah. And once her labor, her breathing started to get labored, they didn't want to put her on a vent at 92. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they gave her palliative care. Oh, um, right. Uh, to just ease her pain, which is the better way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, So we may know if it's up to his family. So uh, back on Donald Trump here and and co. And no, that's okay. It's important to talk about. Um, The question that I now have, and obviously we should ask our uh, legal expert, Jody. (laughs) Uh, What kind of legal ramifications are involved in knowingly parading yourself around with active COVID and not telling anyone? Well, the problem is, um, unlike with, say, HIV, yeah. which is very specific, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, like a person literally has to be very intimate with you in order for you to get it. Yeah. Um, right, yeah. You can be in a room with somebody with mm-hmm. COVID, whether they know it or not, and not get it. Mm-hmm. Or you can, and if, say, they know, they shouldn't be around you without a mask, mm-hmm. certainly. But if you're... If he was only with one person the whole time and that one person got COVID mm-hmm. and yeah. they were not around anybody but him that whole time, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you're around other people mm-hmm. and you're around somebody that has COVID, but you're around it, like the guy that got the Omicron variant here in California, we were talking yesterday, he flew from South Africa. That's a minimum of two airports that he landed in. Mm-hmm. So there's gate agents at both airports. Then there's the passengers on the plane, the flight attendants, the Mm -hmm. pilots. Then each airport, anybody that person encountered, plus all those people's family members. Now, that's thousands of people, potentially, that this one person could have infected. But they also were around a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. that they could have gotten it. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Unlike HIV, which is difficult to get comparatively Mm -hmm. and easier to contact trace with. You should do contact tracing. But yeah, unless Donald Trump was with one person the whole time those two weeks that he for sure had it and that one person was only with him you can't really prove that they got the covid from him mm-hmm. you can it's i think that if you have if you knowingly have covid and do not quarantine and do not mask up mm-hmm. then anybody that gets covid within your sphere should have at least a little bit of a right to sue you for medical yeah. expenses yeah no shit i mean this leads back to the even bigger picture question which is Yeah, this is a colossal bombshell. The president of the United States knew he had COVID, and then he was going around infecting all these people. So this is a a major, major story. But at the same time, does it even matter if there's no actual ramifications for this? If this doesn't produce some kind of 
additional outcome, whether it's uh, legal action against Trump or some sort of new rules when it comes to COVID protocol or something. I don't know. I don't know what you derive from a story like this. But again, does it matter then? If there is no, you know, comeuppance for all of this. Well, I think the only way that would matter is if people out there, voters out there, that either we're going to vote Republican or maybe independent. I don't know. That the truth, that we understand what happened, even yeah. if there are no ramifications uh, legally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that they're going to be able to get them on anything. I mean, it's fucking hard. It's hard enough to get them on the stuff that we know for sure. Yeah. Right. So. There's an extra dimension to this, though, too. This is not the New York Times reporting this. I mean, it's obviously the news is coming from The Guardian, but this is coming, the original source is Mark Meadows', Mark Meadows. book. Yep. So I don't know if Donald Trump has released one of his official, you know, whiny diaper baby oh, statements. Mark Meadows is backtracking. Oh, he is? What is he saying? Um, according to, I think I heard him, yeah, he was, uh, Travis got a soundbite where he's like, oh, this has been taken out of context. And did it? no, it hasn't. Oh, my God. It's it's wow. published in his book. What are they going to yeah, change? Yeah, and he's backtracking. Book? He's wow. completely backtracking on his own book, saying that the press <laughs> oh is God. taking it out of context, of which is oh like... Why would he have written it in the fucking first place? Because right. he knows what they were going to say. Mm. He know, He's not an idiot. He knows. Right. Oh, my God. Mark Meadows. F you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that I just it's so brazen it's so shameless and you know we shouldn't be surprised at this point when that happens mm-hmm. we should right. be oh, oh yeah here they go again this is what they always do but this is giving donald trump the wiggle room to say ah fake news of course fake news not true i didn't test positive but they've got evidence they should have evidence of the positive test you should be able to subpoena the positive test but none of that fucking matters to the red hats Nope. To the entire Red Hat Entertainment Complex and be like, oh, Mark Meadows said he was mistaken, so never mind. If they're even paying attention to it at all, which yeah. they're probably not, despite right. it being in Mark Meadows' book. <laughs> God, you think it was coming from like, uh, you know, Rachel Maddow's book or something right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolute goddamn madness. Uh, meantime, a second case of the super mutated Omicron variant has been detected in the United States in a Minnesota resident. Okay, so yesterday it was San Francisco. Today it's Minnesota. That's right. Great. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, and that person recently returned home from an anime convention. Oh, one of my people in uh, in New York City, according to the Minnesota Great. Department so of Health. We got both coasts now because uh, if if I wonder where they got did did they have any idea was it on the plane or do you know when they tested positive? Uh, I think they po- tested positive when they returned home, so, so they were able they to get from New, New York City. Yeah. They got so now it's it's for sure on both coasts. Yeah, it's yeah. all over the country. Yeah, yeah. I think that now we could safely say that there are cases around the entire country. Yeah, maybe yes. it's low case, you know, a low number, but still, you I, I can't say for sure that we have one in each state, mm-hmm. but maybe right. the majority of states, maybe two or three here and there, who have con- who you know, and and they. We will find out in two weeks or however long it takes for this virus to show up. Yeah. How many people, because it's going to, I think it's going to explode now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and well, I don't this- know if it's going to explode uh, because I do think the the vaccines are going to make a difference. Yep. So I don't know if it'll explode in the same way the original uh, COVID virus that came out. I don't know if it will, but I think we're going to see big numbers in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It says here, uh, this person who tested positive is an adult male living in Hennepin County. He's fully vaccinated and only has mild symptoms. 
That's what the San Francisco right. guy is too, which does suggest, at least anecdotally yeah. at this point, yeah. that the vaccines are working against mm-hmm. this variant, which is good news. Very and, good, yeah. yeah. And Dr. Doom said on Stephanie's show this morning that we should know in the next week or two whether the vaccines do work in the same manner mm-hmm. yeah. as they did against the original strain for sure, let alone Delta, because mm-hmm. it does work against Delta. Um, and because everybody's, most everybody that's been vaccinated is now getting boosted, mm-hmm. even though we were losing efficacy after two months or six months on our original doses, mm-hmm. it goes back up to 95%. Mm-hmm efficacy once you get boosted which means we could quash this variant if everybody gets boosted yeah yeah and just just i i think it was fauci uh i think he i think it was fauci so it could be somebody else another expert but either way this person said that booster you don't need that two-week time frame oh yeah for boosters to be effective that they're effective immediately i think that was dr redliner on my show who said that yeah Yeah. Yeah. dr doom i thought Mm. when you got boosted you had to wait for two weeks to get the full protection but you don't well now that you mention it it seems to make more sense that because it's stacked on top of the existing right mrna uh, vaccine then it would take less time because you're not building from zero you're building from x percentage right. right right So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But meantime, the word is getting out that people should go around and get the Omicron virus, the Omicron oh variant. Oh, God, people! To develop natural immunity. Fauci was asked about it in the press room at the White House yesterday. I don't know if you saw that clip, but mm-hmm. uh, the Ducey boy. I forget his, what's his first name? <laughs> the, the, the Ducey Peter? boy? The Ducey. Peter? The Ducey. Peter Ducey. The Ducey or Ducey? Yes, Ducey right. Ducey. <laughs> Ducey or Ducey? Peter Ducey tro- <laughs> constantly trolling from the White House press room. Yeah. Good God, where the hell are we in this country? But yeah, so, he's not good at it though. Yeah, but no, he was basically saying, uh, well, first he was saying, uh, asking Jen Psaki, he was like, um, why hasn't Joe Biden solved this COVID crisis right. like he promised? <laughs> you know, which is basically saying, uh, my network is going around telling people to get deliberately infected with the virus to create natural immunity or blah, 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 blah. Why can't Joe Biden stop people from doing that? And it's just like, what are you talking about? And then he asked uh, Anthony or someone else asked Anthony Fauci about I'm calling him Anthony Fauci still. It's been almost two years and I'm still calling him <laughs> Anthony. Dr. Anthony Fauci said, uh, Someone else asked Fauci about uh, because the Omicron virus hasn't shown a whole lot of hospitalizations or deaths at this point, apparently, that maybe this is the perfect virus to get in order to get natural immunity. What do you no. think, Dr. Fauci? And Fauci's like, no! Like, Fuck you, you idiot. No, this is fa- I got Fauci's response right here. No! No! <laughs> broke a window i mean don't get him started he's gonna put his fist right through anything but yeah that's the madness and i saw greg gutfeld the other day saying the same thing hey perfect virus go out and get it get it it's fun and we'll all do it and this is what we want because it's natural immunity and it's perfect it's a perfect virus perfect variant for us that's going out over the airways you talk about legal ramifications I mean, the ballsiness in the face of potential liability, putting that kind of thing on the record. And I know Fox News viewers have the attention spans of gnats, for God's sake. They're not going to care. That's, I mean, we saw this for many, many years with Bill O'Reilly, where he fucks up, and then three days later, he does a correction at the end of his show of his fuck up, if at all. And it just, you know, it just kind of 
dissipates into the atmosphere. There's no real uh, accountability for any of that. And so I don't think there's going to be accountability for people like Gutfeld telling people to deliberately no. get an unknown COVID variant. Right. Well, that's that could be like if I went on on television and I told everybody to go lick public toilets, it would literally be up to them to go lick the public toilets. That's that's true. That's true. And with cable television, there's no public airwaves mm-hmm. involved, so that you can't regulate that. We had uh, Rocky Mountain Mike and I had that conversation on Tuesday about the jurisdiction of the FCC and where you know a fairness doctrine may not even apply, mm-hmm. or certainly wouldn't apply to any cable carriers. So uh, yeah, that's an additional layer of immense frustration to all of this. That there's yep. literally nothing we can do about people saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's go deliberately worsen this." You know, it's like going back to what I was saying about Donald Trump and trying to deliberately give Joe Biden the virus. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that's my theory. I underscore theory. So don't sue me. <laughs> but the fact is that they're basically trying to sabotage Joe Biden by deliberately getting the virus. Yeah. Yeah. And saying, look, his record sucks on COVID. And it's because of what they're doing. They're creating this sucky record. It's like... Uh, Mitch McConnell, during the early days of the Obama administration, declared that his mission as majority leader would be to make you know, Barack Obama a one-term president. And right. so the theory was thrown out there that he was and other Republicans were trying to deliberately sabotage the economy. This whole brinksmanship yep. that we're seeing with the funding of the government and the raising mm-hmm. of the debt ceiling. This is all monkeying with the economy mm-hmm. in order to sabotage the other side. Yeah. So... It's entirely within the realm of possibility that they're monkeying around with COVID in order to sabotage the other side, in order to sabotage Democrats. I mean, it's what they're all about now. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the central theme of the the central tactic of the Republican Party? Mm -hmm. Own the list. Unemployment is almost at pre-pandemic levels today. Yeah, Jesus. Well, you know, we're headed to, I I, I haven't seen the new uh, official BLS numbers. But the forecast uh, from, I forget, ADP, I think it was, suggested a huge amount of jobs created for November. Yeah. And we are, that makes it, I think it's more than 500,000 jobs created in November uh, on top of the more than 500,000 jobs that were created in October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's leading us to 7 million new jobs created yep. in just the first year of wow. the Biden administration. Yep. 7 million new jobs. You know how long it took Donald Trump to preside over 7 million new jobs? Never. Th- three, well, <laughs> yeah. It was technically three years. It was three years. Yeah. And then, of course, his fourth year, everything went to shit. So mm-hmm. Donald Trump ended up with a negative job creation record. Not negative well, meaning it was bad. I mean, negative right. meaning he lost jobs over his four yeah. terms. We lost over 20 million jobs. Yeah. Um, the thing, The thing that was... His whole problem with like testing and the numbers are bad and all he had to do was without stopping the virus, which he could have done. Yeah. But that's another bag of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, tell everybody to mask up. Yeah. Put MAGA on the fucking masks. Make a money off of it. Who fucking cares? <laughs> right. Mask up. Right. Exactly. Listen to the scientists. Masks up. Everybody can keep working. Mm-hmm. Keep doing, you know, lockdown for a good six weeks. Okay, and then mask up everybody. Mm-hmm. You can go back to work potentially. I mean, South Korea did fine. New yeah. Zealand, you know. I mean, other countries were doing that, and yeah. in general, did okay. Uh, Sweden, let's run rampant. What happens? They fuck up. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, but they won't. They won't because I like they're on this weird trajectory. Like we're just gonna fucking we're gonna go off that cliff. Yeah. No and matter it's their what. Their voters. I it's know. their voters that are first off dying from it. Yeah. In ge- most likely. Yeah. And then secondly, even if they don't die from it, they may get long, a third of people that get this get long COVID, so they right. won't even be able to go vote. Yeah. So it's like. A third of your voters, a bunch of your voters are going to die, and then a third of your voters that get it are going to have long COVID. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you have a very small minority of people that will vote for you, and you still don't want mail-in balloting, so I really mm-hmm. don't get that. I mean, there's a whole, oh, like, yeah. it's yeah. the strangest, yeah. dumbest, um, okay, the economy is doing better, guys. And and everybody I know is saying, oh, we should message better. Not until right before the election because people have short fucking memories. Right. Start doing these, ad- get the ads ready, mm-hmm. get them going, remind Democrats in, oh, I don't know, once the June SCOTUS opinion comes down, the Democrats want to keep women's rights available. Mm-hmm. Um, get those ads together for the the house, especially in the Senate. And let's do that. Get them together. Start putting them together. Call me. I'll edit them for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, yeah. you know what I want to say though? I, I, t- I agree with you. People have short memories, but I don't yeah. think that means we have to wait. I think we can no, still, we I can think still you, yeah. message and, and get, you know, and perfect it. We can, you know, We'll talk about Jerry. Uh, uh, I can't even say his name. Jamie Harrison. Jamie Harrison. In a minute. Right. Um, and his brother Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> and his other I, brother Jerry. Because there's something yeah. to actually say there <laughs> that connects to what we're talking about now. But the idea is that. Um, well, and I'll just kind of go into that. The Jamie Harrison said to me uh, because I had tweeted to him about the fact that. You oh, know, wait, 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 hold, hold, wait, wait, wait. Hold okay. I, I'm, I'm holding you right there because okay. I want to, I yeah. want to come back to this. I want to dedicate, you know, a big part of the next segment to okay. your interaction with DNC chairman. Well, then Jamie I'll save Harrison. what I was going to say. Then we, when we get to Jamie, yes, hold that okay. thought. Okay. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Supreme court and oral arguments in the Mississippi abortion ban. And that doesn't look good at all. Well, we'll, we'll come back and, and talk about that a little bit more. But first, today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, like Donald Trump, or preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp is going to assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. But this isn't just a normal therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely on the Internet. You can log into your account anytime you want. You can send a message to your therapist, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available if you can't afford it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website, read their testimonials, betterhelp.com slash sesca. That's betterhelp.com slash C-E-S-C-A. Join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Here's your special offer for Bob Seska Show listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Link in the description at BobSeska.com. BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Oh, this lonely, lonely Christmas I 
can't help but feel that this must be goodbye to dreams of mine, a very plan that I made back in January. I stare at my phone alone at night. Am I doing this right? I feel like a reindeer in the headlights. As heard on such shows as this one. It's the great Wallace Shriver, otherwise known as Wallace, W-A-L-L-I-S, and her hit Christmas song from a year ago. This is called Lonely Christmas, of course. I am Wallace.com. Link in the description at BobSeska.com. Right under this episode. You want to find uh, all the music you hear, all the indie bands you hear on this show? Just go to BobSeska.com. Click the link for the particular episode you listen to. And I've got all the uh, links right there for you, including the links for our, our fine, fine sponsors, our Patreon links, links to follow Jody Hamilton, links to follow Kimberly Johnson, links to follow Buzz Burbank, links to follow David T. Rex Ferguson, and all points in between. Uh, and thank you for doing that. We're going to be uh, playing. Playing uh, brand new music in January, so if you're submitting your songs via bobsuska.com slash music, sit tight until January. Meantime, we're playing all of our uh, indie bands and their Christmas songs uh, between now and the, and the next couple of weeks. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. Where do we pick up here? I'm glad you're on the show today, Johnson, because we got to talk about your interaction <laughs> with DNC chairman Jamie Harrison. Uh, and this has everything to do with, you know, messaging, the thing we were just yeah. uh, talking about before the break and how you managed to uh, get a response out of Jamie. It's a pretty big deal. I mean, he's the yeah. national chairman of the, the it's DNC. It's a big darn deal. It's a big, it is absolutely a big darn deal. <laughs> a big darn deal. And uh, so you tweeted initially, you said, democracy slipping away and no one in leadership is sounding the alarm bell. Half the country doesn't realize fascism and white supremacy will take place of our democracy. Half the country doesn't vote. And Jamie Harrison replied to you, which was yeah, awesome. It? With a whole tweet thread. Yeah, but misspelled wow. misspelled your name. Well, Le- left that's off com- the. Yeah. That's common. Left off the extra e. The extra. Yeah. Make sure when you spell Kimberly's name, make sure to include the extra e for excellent. I get an i at the end of my name. I'm, oh. Yes, I know. Oh, I've I'm seen sure. that. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kimberly, appreciate you and your passion. Please know the team at the DNC works around the clock every day to save our democracy. I wish the DNC. DNC had the powers most believe to get on TV when and whenever we want, run limitless ads on TV, radio, digital. That's not the reality. We don't have unlimited budgets. We don't control TV bookings. But this is what we have been working on relentlessly. One, returning to a 57 state and territory strategy. Which is great. Yeah. We have committed $23 million to our state parties to provide more resources to help build their capacity to win, Uh, building a tech infrastructure to support organizing, registration, and voter protection work. We've poured millions into new tech tools to better tools, to to better, (laughs) I don't know why I I said tools, (laughs) to better facilitate outreach and protection of voters, such as purge tracker that lets us track and communicate with voters purged in, in states. We don't have a Fox News or OAN. I could wipe out the entirety of our budget in two weeks if I did just nonstop TV ads, and that means none of the other things above would happen. We have to have messaging and organizing and resources. That's what we work on every day. Okay, so let me just interject. Okay. Because Lincoln's Bible said you don't need Fox or OAN. You can harness us 
to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Pull social media poll influencers to into your operation. This is kind of what you've said, Bob. Yeah. Go on their podcasts. Let us help you yes. raise money for targeted goals and specific measurable results. And take our advice when it comes to messaging. Messaging, we're better at it. So. I tagged again DNC, D Triple C, and and Harris, uh, I, Harrison Jamie because that's what he goes by. Yeah. And so I, you know, I was like, you you can come on my show. And then and then I did actually message him and said I'd love to have you on my show because he also kind of said to me in one of the tweets that it it, it felt like an attack, and that he feels like if they're getting attacks from the Republican Party and attacks from our side, it it hurts. And it's like. This was not meant as an attack, it you know. And I did thank him. I said thank you for your efforts and for everything you're doing. It's just that we need to do different. We need different strategies. And I, I agree with Lincoln's Bible. I think that every liberal podcaster out there needs to reach out to him. And I messaged him personally and said I'd love to have you on. I will be completely supportive, not at all combative. And you know, I'll help you what I can to spread that message and if we can come up with messaging together. So he, you know, gave me the email and I'm hoping that, you know, he also said publicly that he would be happy to come on my show. So, so, so he is, are you, have you booked him on your show yet? I haven't booked him yet, but okay. I'm, I'm going to send whoever that person is the email. Hey, but the awesome. thing is, is it's like, it's great and everything if he comes on my show, mm-hmm. um, but I'd love to see him even, you know, go on everybody's show. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see him on yeah. Stephanie Miller. I'd love to see him on your show. I'd love to see him on Molly Jong Fast show because we all have a, you know, a certain amount of influence out of all of you, I have the least amount of influence. But, you know, and I don't care. It's not a contest. I've got what I've got. You've got what you've got. But it's like if if they could utilize us. And this is what I was, you know, the, a, a couple people on Twitter did not like what I did. Uh, they, they feel defensive or they, they feel as if... Um, I, I think Jamie Harrison is going to save us. It's, it's not that. It's that we see what's happening. Mm-hmm. We see that the right is kind of like marching all over us. Yeah. And I get what Jamie's saying. They don't have the funds, but what they, what they do have is us and we're all fucking hungry for it. We all want to help with messaging. And I also think it would behoove the DNC to pay attention to social media and what sticks because Mm -hmm. what's, you know, if, if we had, there, there are so many liberals out there, progressives, liberals, whatever you want to call them all on the same page. We all have these DM rooms where we amplify each other and we talk all day long. And every once in a while, somebody says, like, let's let's get this hashtag going and we can get it to trend. Yeah. So the the Democrats need to jump on that because that's working. It means it's working. And if they don't have the money to hire the Frank Luntz, if they don't have the money to get on all those shows, they've got this huge, massive fucking platform of social media. I think Val Demings has outraised Marco Rubio on social media. Yeah. yeah. So it's very powerful. And I think that, you know, I, I'm hoping that it doesn't end with my show, because if it does, then what's the fucking point? Here's my yeah. concern with democratic messaging. I think I've expressed this uh, in the recent past, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but... My concern is that the Democratic Party, as an organization, could come up with the best slogans. I mean, hashtags, bumper stickers, things that can potentially resonate. But I wonder if people who follow or are members of the Democratic Party, uh, specifically people on social media, whether they feel as though they're too hip to share yeah, but if Democratic it, but you know what? Party if talking points. Do you know what I mean? Good, no, because if it's a good idea yeah. and it's not, if it's okay, if it's not like, they're all saying, hey, look what uh, Jamie Harrison came up with, this hashtag. Right. If it's a good hashtag, 
it'll be used. Okay, so I think the solution to this problem that I just presented is also to go through surrogates. To not yeah. only have, you're suggesting having a, you know podcasts relay the message and so on. I think that will work more effectively. That's why yes. I was talking about a, a while back, the idea of some of the, uh, the outside groups, some of the super PACs and mm-hmm. so on, who are circulating around the Democratic Party, but aren't, directly tethered to the Democratic Party. I think it becomes then more legitimate, or I think it's seen as more legitimate, any messaging that comes out of that kind of... Because it's not... good messaging is good messaging. If you take a look at that ad... LBJ ad, I think it was the Daisy, the little girl holding the, the Daisy. Daisy. Oh, yeah, only yeah, aired yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was hugely popular. It was impactful, and, and frankly, it wouldn't matter where it comes if it's impactful and people go, whoa, look at that, mm. and they start talking about it and they start sharing it. Yeah. I mean, I get your point, Bob, and I think that there are you know groups out there who are like, mm, I don't know. But if the messaging is good, it doesn't matter where it comes from. People are going to grab it and they're going to run with it. And they're not going to necessarily say this hashtag was developed by the DNC. Yeah. They're just going to use it. And so whether it's a hashtag, whether it's a meme, whether, you know, I mean, and the, th- the bottom line is, you know, Ronald Reagan introduced us to political ads like mar- using marketing, you know, mm-hmm. using commercials and advertisements to sell the presidency, to sell republicanism. So we can take a cue because we have Hollywood on our fucking side. I think more people in Hollywood, especially big names who have big money, should be stepping forward to either fund or host or volunteer or whatever it is, you know, in the same way. And if you could figure out, if you could just take like, let's just say the DNC used some of their money Mm -hmm. to pay a, a psychologist or something like that. And the psychologist looks at everything, whatever information they need, you know, we need to win here and blah, 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 blah. They figure something out and then they give it over to a marketing team that puts it in a quick, effective, snappy slogan. You know, like for instance, we had defund the police. That's not a good slogan because the Republicans, if you know what it means, yeah, it's great, but go tell old white people in Florida Defund the police, and what do you think they're going to think? They're going to say, oh, that means abolish the police, and it doesn't. So we need these quick little things. Democrats deliver is good. And if there could be any ads, and I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's the Democratic Party or, you know, Midas Touch or whoever these, you know, some of these outside people, Don Winslow, who do these ads. If it's impactful, it will go. If it's as impactful as that Daisy ad. And right now, we have fascism and white supremacy are big fucking deals and they're just not i mean occasionally you know we've heard joe biden talk we heard joe biden talking about it at the debate and it resonates with people Mm -hmm. and and i don't see you know i mean i see the republican party doing all this good stuff they're they're putting out as much as they possibly can with a slim majority they've been extremely extremely successful but they're not pushing the idea that fascists and white supremacists want to take over and, yeah. and how they're going to and what their strategy is, because a lot of people just don't get it. And they need and I think the most important thing the Democrats need to do, it's not nece- I mean, it's messaging, but it's more than that. It's reaching the 120 million people who don't vote. If we could just take a small percentage of them, we would have a massive 
turn out. Obviously, this is an important conversation to have, but looking at the whole thing from 30,000 feet, we're less than a year out from the midterms. And here we are talking about not the specifics of the message or, you know, repeating what needs to be said in advance of the midterms in order to get people out to vote. We're talking about, oh, why can't they get a message out there? Right. And and that whether that's the Democratic Party's fault or whether that's Democratic voters fault or a combination of the two or whoever's fault it might be. This is not good no, it's <laughs> that not we have good. to sit here and talk about the Democratic Party doing the very minimum that you do if you're a political organization. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh, my God, it's uh, the, the midterms are like right around the corner. Well, that's, you know, I, the last mayoral uh, vote here in Los Angeles, uh, which is a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. And people on Nextdoor, because I'm on it just to watch the camera. Oh, that crazy chat. website. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, every now and then it's okay. Like, you know, found cat, you know, mm-hmm. yay. Um, <laughs> but in general, when they start getting upset about the homeless, but not in my backyard because they're all NIMBYs, but they, they all complain about the mayor and they complain about the city council. 25% of the city of Los Angeles, 25% voted in our last mayoral election. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. 25%, which means 12.5% and some change voted for the mayor and voted for the city council, which mm-hmm. means that's the people mm-hmm. that are running this city, yep. like it or not. Yep. Now, I happen to have voted for that particular mayor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, really? That's mm-hmm. insanity. This is a huge city. Yeah. And, and look, I'm not trying to make excuses here for the Democratic Party. I, I tend to lean more toward, well, you know what? We also need to do our jobs, too. We are, after all, living yeah. in a democracy. And democracy means totally people power. Agree. Ask not agree. what your country Absolutely. can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country but, but or what you can have, do for your party. I totally agree with you. But, but that's like telling a teenager... Don't go have sex or teenagers shouldn't have sex. Yeah. Teenagers are going to have sex. But here's here's the problem as I see it. And this links into the discussion that was being had yesterday regarding the Supreme Court's oral arguments in the Mississippi abortion ban. And I was saying, you know what? The progressives who stayed home or voted third party in 2016 bear some responsibility for Roe potentially being overturned. And obviously, because Donald Trump won, he was able to appoint three Supreme Court justices, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. We know how this all played out. And I was getting responses to that from Democrats going, well, maybe the Democratic Party should just give us better candidates. And then yeah, they maybe were Democrats. they weren't Democrats. That they weren't Democrats. Those are the fucking weaponized trolls. Uh, not always. Yeah. I, there not were a always. few names that I recognized in there yeah. saying that exact thing. People who I know are not trolls. Mm-hmm. People who actually yeah, believe they listen that. to the trolls. They're still, yeah, they're still acting as though it's 1996, mm-hmm. standing there with their arms folding. Go. Why isn't the Democratic Party more exciting? Why isn't de- why aren't they more likable? I don't. Want want to have a beer with that woman and you know what david pepper i think it was no it was a comedian steve Hofstetter. stephen hofstetter the comedian he said there are liberals there are there's republicans and there's apathy mm-hmm. and he said right. democrats if you can because you can't always you can't always get an obama just you can't right but if you can find you know instead of going for the safe centrist white man Look for people who are inspirational. It could yeah. be a white man who's inspirational, sure. but don't get the boring fucking ones that you think are going to play to the middle because it just doesn't, that's not our country anymore. 
the, the GOP wants to get excited, and so do the Democrats. Not every candidate is going to excite you. And mature people understand this, and we will vote for them anyway. But then we've got, you know, we've got all, we've got a nation of people who were gifted with democracy, and they don't know any better. They think they, they think that it's owed to them. They don't realize that it's their responsibility, that they have to maintain it. And we're working with that group. They don't realize it. It's not even about just give it to me. They just don't even see that they have to fucking do a goddamn thing. Here's a good metaphor, and then we have to break real quick, and, and I want to talk uh, in more depth about the uh, Supreme Court arguments from yesterday. But um, you're driving down the highway, and about, I don't know, 100 yards down the road, an accident is taking place, right? Your car's swerving and bashing into each other, and you're headed right toward it, right? You're headed toward this huge pileup. The conversation we're having here is about Huh, where are the where's the steering wheel? Where's the controls yeah. for this car? Instead of, oh God, I need to press on the brakes and swerve out of the way. That's the problem here. What we're talking about are the very entry-level basics of political communication. And we're doing this, as I was saying before, we're doing this with the midterms just around the corner, an immensely yeah. important set of midterms. We're in dire straits as a party if we're still figuring out the controls that r operate the vehicle rather than figuring out how to use those controls to avoid the accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just, it's, it's a well, very stressful place to be. I know stressful. we are where we are, but you know, again, political communication. It's, you know, the first thing you learn when you go and get your political science degree. And it seems like, uh, whether it's the herding cats thing, whether it's the uh, progressives who stay at home. I notice here Susan Sarandon is currently trending on oh, Twitter. Oh, fuck her. <laughs> fuck her, fuck her, fuck her. <laughs> F you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck her. But uh, so that it is very stressful to know this the because the conversation should be about what the message is, not whether there should be a message. And, and I think that Jamie Harrison and others have to, start understanding yeah. that um yes television is super important because older people vote mm -hmm. and they still watch the tv machines yeah um and so yes you have to hold your money back and make that important mm -hmm. and do the right thing with that i completely as a production person and have been in television yeah you got to do that but yeah, yeah. advertising on twitter and advertising on facebook is minimal dollars comparatively mm -hmm. being on podcasts is easy being it's on free. radio programs yeah. it's free right and so yeah i mean especially if you're good at memeing hello uh that's yeah. free um and they need to learn that and but also when it comes to the television because news now is an entertainment is part of the entertainment mm -hmm. divisions of networks they have to make money yeah and they're all owned by mm -hmm. corporations that don't want to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the green rooms are always full of Republicans, whether a Republican is in power or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll leave you with this before we break. There's a piece in the New York Times today by Jonathan Martin where he spoke with a Democratic pollster named Brian Stryker. And Stryker and his team uh, talked to a bunch of voters from Virginia after this past Virginia gubernatorial election. And they talked to people who supported Joe Biden in 2020 and then voted for uh, uh, Glenn Youngkin this past November or strongly considered supporting him. Uh -huh. And every single person in this 
I don't know if it's a series of focus groups or just one focus group, but every single person that Stryker studied in the wake of this past election said that the Democratic Party was focusing too much on social issues and needs to focus more on selling the economy, you know, putting forth a plan for the economy, which is frustrating to me because that's all. I mean, all of Joe Biden's most significant accomplishments this past have year have been economic. Oh, my God. Oh, my yes. fucking God. Oh, my God. And you can just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is so it is so frustrating. But at the same time, they're basically saying, hey, yeah, you want us to uh, vote for Democrats. It's the economy, stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. And it is the economy, stupid. And, yeah. and you would think that it wasn't doing well based on media mm-hmm. reporting. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. And there's that, too. This, yeah. to me, also points to uh, certain aspects of the news media, which was uh, busily rending its garments over the Biden economy throughout the entire summer, not even noticing that all the jobs numbers were being revised yeah. upwards by hundreds of thousands of jobs. You know, well, and we I only hear I about that officially from the Washington Post after. Now, I know Reuters. I'm going to be talking to Heather Timmons from Reuters next week on the interview show. And she reminded me that, yeah, Reuters did report on the solid jobs numbers as yeah. those numbers were being revised and handed down. But, you know, it, it only gets into the mainstream press after the November election. And that's well, and, frustrating. And the, I, I don't remember who tweeted this, but um, this person, and it is a righteous tweet, and I retweeted it, mm-hmm. basically said... Um, Okay, Americans are overwhelmingly in support of Roe v. Wade and in support of vaccine mandates, Mm -hmm. but you wouldn't know it from the press. Right, and I've got some poll numbers on that that we want to talk about either uh, on this portion of the show or on the shadow docket. So uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more. But first, if you're only listening to this part of the show, speaking of the shadow docket, this portion that you're hearing, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, uh, you're only hearing the first hour of the show. There's an additional 20 minutes, maybe even upward of a, you know, like 30 minutes, half an hour of extra show after the end credits roll at the end of our Tuesday and Thursday shows. And it's all happening on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the Shadow Docket podcast at patreon.com slash show or simply bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. Shadow Docket drops every Tuesday and Thursday after the free shows, and it's only going to cost you $5 per month. And, and, and... You're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast in the process. So don't miss out. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. Bob Seska! Jesse Terry here, one of our favorites, uh, one of our favorite indie recording artists on the show. This is, of course, his cover of Joni Mitchell's River. His brand new Christmas album is called Peace, a Christmas collection. JesseTerryMusic.com. Link in the description under this episode of BobSeska.com. Oh, man. Ches Pazienza's favorite Christmas song right here. 
And we've got, uh, this is the first of three different covers of this particular track uh, uh, that we're going to be playing uh, this year. So we'll have another one next week. And then the great CC Grace did one that is just breathtaking that we're going to be uh, wrapping up the year of shows uh, with that particular rendition. So stick around for that. All right, jumping back into things here. Uh, oh, God. The oral arguments in the Mississippi yeah. abortion ban, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health from yesterday, immensely frustrating mm-hmm. to listen to. <laughs> this process yesterday that took place in the Supreme Court, listening to these justices, and I'm speaking specifically of the conservative justices, these are people, I mean, in total, nine of them, who represent one-third of the federal government as it's outlined in the United States Constitution. There's the presidency, there's Congress, and then there's the Supreme Court. And these nine people, it's just nine people, nine elite people, and they don't know anything sometimes. I mean, they know how the law works to an extent, obviously. But when it comes to issues of medicine, holy shit, I'm not a doctor and I'm sitting there ripping my hair out. And, I, and I've got less and less hair as time goes on. <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, it was, it was astonishing. You know, I, I think back to the Hobby Lobby decision. And how ultimately what the Supreme Court ruled when it came to Hobby Lobby and the uh, uh, morning after pills uh, covered in the Affordable Care Act and how Hobby Lobby didn't want to pay into a health care plan that would support the morning after pills, even though they don't induce abortion. Mm-hmm. They only Thank block you. fertilization. Yes. But the Supreme Court was like, well, that doesn't matter right. if Hobby Lobby believes right. it's abortion inducing then it is. And that's how we got the fucking Hobby Lobby decision. That fucking madness that came out of the Supreme Court. So that was disillusioning enough. But then yesterday, to hear the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court go, well, 15 weeks is enough to have the choice, don't you think? No! No, 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 no. no. And Jody Jody described it best on my show about why 15 is not enough. Yeah. No! No! <laughs> Sorry. And Jody. by the way, the 15 weeks is from fertilization, not the first time you right. realize you're pregnant. Right. 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 So by the time so it's you at do least two weeks. It, yeah, by yeah. the time you do realize it, you just don't even have enough time, mm-hmm. especially if you're living in a place where there aren't very many uh, clinics. Yeah. Well, or they have the, the waiting periods. The waiting like period, you find right. out and you live 300 miles from the nearest right. clinic. You've got to take two or three days off. And then you have to wait mm-hmm. two or three days. You've got to go back home. It takes you two weeks to get an abortion that you should be able to get mm-hmm. anywhere at any time mm-hmm. should yep. you so desire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then there's a broader question here, which is that are there other statutes of limitations on any other no. medical procedure? No. No. I mean, imagine, you know, you go out and you get a really bad sunburn. And you develop a melanoma, but it's after 15 weeks and you go to the doctor and say, hey, you know what? Supreme Court ruled you can't be treated for that melanoma after 15 weeks. Right. You knew you had 15 weeks to make a choice. You knew you got that sunburn. Yeah, so you knew you, you knew you that had that weird mole. Yeah, yeah exactly right, <laughs> right, Jody. And it's not like I'm not comparing babies or fetuses to cancerous moles. I'm not saying that. This is just a metaphor to explain how there aren't any other statute of limitations on... Uh, fucking medical procedures. But it's okay to do it with this because women are second-class citizens, according to especially the men on the court, which all happen to be, mm-hmm. except for Amy Coney Barrett, all happen to be uh, conservative. 
They're not so, conservative. I'm sorry. No. No, you know what? Uh, maybe, maybe Roberts is. Yeah. But yeah. Um, fucking Kavanaugh is a drunk rapist. So right. Fuck him. Right. So 15 weeks, that's more than enough time to make a choice. And it's just like, well, you know, the, the um, solicitor general is trying to convince John Roberts is like the reason... You know, 22 to 27 weeks is the standard in row for mm-hmm. viability is because of viability mm-hmm. is because, you know, and I, I was saying on Fugel saying show last night, the, Roe v. Wade is a classic decision, not just because of the rights it grants, but because of the way it was presented. There is a classic American compromise in that we're going to make abortion legal, but only legal up to the point that the fetus is viable outside the mother, you know, obviously without too much care. external care. Yeah, right, right. Because I mean, technically, a twenty-week fetus could survive, but it needs so much care. Well, there's um, that, there's that complication as well, and that mm-hmm. that puts us in that. That's why there's kind of a range for viability right. rather than a clear and concise cutoff point, mm-hmm. which is exactly what the Supreme Court's going to end up ruling or, or supporting yep. uh, from Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health. It's fucking insane. And this is going to be the first time that the Supreme Court, if they rule the way everyone thinks they're going to rule on this, this will be the first time that I can remember, and I think Lawrence Tribe was saying something along these lines last night too on uh, MSNBC, that the Supreme Court has taken away rights that is already granted. Actually, um, I think Tom Hartman said that uh, at some point, I think with Plessy, they took away rights Hmm. initially. Yeah. Um, uh, And then they were restored with Brown versus the board. Yeah. Plus um, Plessy V. Ferguson was separate but equal, right? That was Right, which took away rights for- of, of, yes, which took away the rights of people to, of that were not white yeah, mm-hmm. to, you know, partake in, in eating in a lunch counter, sitting on a yeah, bus. It was all about segregation. From a dr- yeah. Exactly. So that took away the rights of people that had been granted to them with the 13th, mm-hmm. 14th, and 15th Amendments. Yeah. So that's the only time that that's been done before. And guess what? Bad idea. Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, uh, Brett Kavanaugh was listing off a series of Supreme Court precedents that were eventually overturned Mm -hmm. without mentioning that it was always from the perspective of granting more rights rather than rolling them back. So he was. So he did mention like Brown v. Board kind of overturning Plessy and so on. But this could very possibly be the first in many decisions that roll back rights. What happens How about when Loving they, v. Virginia? Or Obergfell, for yeah. God's sake. I mean, they could use this precedent to roll back same-sex marriage. We say, well, we did yes. it with we did it with Roe. You know, Dobbs came in and we said, okay, fine, you can roll back the viability point to 15 weeks, overturning the viability ruling in Roe. And then we can also do that with uh, Obergfell. We can do that with uh, Griswold v. Connecticut. Loving. We, loving, yeah. All this shit. Birth well, control, everything is on the table. And yep. you know what? Everything is on the table for red states. Mm-hmm. Blue yeah. state women, you know, while it's horrible that women in red states will become second-class citizens, mm-hmm. blue state women uh, will retain the right, uh, reproductive rights and so on because of... Uh, and, and, you, you know, know, that... Uh, I said this yesterday with Jody, but the bottom line is if if... It's gutted. If the Supreme Court doesn't come out and say, we have just banned abortion across the United States, Mm -hmm. it's going to be... It's it's incremental. It's yeah. quieter. It's just slowly. I mean, back when Obama was president, we saw whether it was in Mississippi or Texas, we saw these states that had all these abortion clinics, and they did these the Tea Party, which is basically now MAGA, 
put in all these trap laws. So you, these, these, these clinics were closed based on these bullshit targeted regulate, they were, uh, regulation of abortion providers. Maybe it was because there was a drinking fountain and, it, hmm. you know, because of the size of the hallway, they're like, okay, well, you have to shut down. Yeah. Or you're not close enough to a hospital and you have to shut down. So there were all these clinics that just shut down and abortion is still legal, but it's kind of impossible for some people to get, especially for poor people who are the majority mm-hmm. of people who get abortions. And so if by doing this and they, and I think they know this, yeah. it's quiet and there's not going to be this huge scream from women in this country. Like we saw in 2017 when Donald Trump took that fucking office mm-hmm. and then all of us took to the streets. Now I do think that going to the streets with those fucking hats on made a huge difference. All these women ran and won in 2018. And even in 2017, there, the, you know, the elections happened every year. Trump was president and Democrats pretty much won all of those elections. We just won a bunch more elections um, the other day. Yes, too. we did. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Um, so in Georgia, good. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think that the whole point here is that I think it's important for the people who understand what's going on to make sure the people who don't understand this is basically getting rid of it. And yes, it will still be legal for some people. Mm -hmm. But if we if we we've got to get the we've got to get people angry about the fact, because, again, this doesn't just include women, men. Most people who get abortions are married people. Mm-hmm. married women and they already have kids and they can't afford another kid. And so the husband isn't just like, Oh, well, I'm sorry. My wife had, he's part of it. This yeah. affects him. It's not just a woman's issue. Right. Mm. Well, and you know, it's funny if, uh, these, this couple that Lonnie and I know are Trump supporters and mm-hmm. they are an interracial couple. Hmm. Yeah. And because loving is on the potential chopping block along with uh, marriage equality and birth control and all these other things. If they didn't live in California, right. Or if they travel to a place that now bans Mm -hmm. interracial marriage Mm -hmm. and they try to check into a hotel, Mm -hmm. they may not be allowed to. And it's like, y'all support this shit. I know. Yeah. Exactly. You vote for people like this and then you expect to retain your rights. What the mm-hmm. fuck are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, this is a uh, another clarion call to be more proactive oh. as Democrats and not to, as so reactive. Because one thing we love to do is after something goes down, after something horrible happens, then we spring into action. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is spring into action. There needs to be that pussy hat march before the midterms this coming up here mm-hmm. instead of after, you know, some horrible cabal of Republicans well, that seems gets what elected. what we like to do. We like to come in after the fact. I know. So I we know. Need- well, That's fucking Susan Collins. I know. Fucking Susan Collins saying we need to codify women's rights. Fuck you, Susan I know. Collins. I know. You fucking fuckity fuck fuck. I know. I fucking hate her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So it's, yeah, it's immensely frustrating. And Susan. Yeah. And... Again, we're talking about the nine most elite legal uh-huh. professionals in the entire mm-hmm. nation. And when it comes to issues of medicine, they're like, they don't know nothing. And you, you hear that shit go on. There's a difference. They don't want to know. Right, exactly. I'm just a podcaster sitting here who plays fart sounds. Yeah, and and I know a little more than these people do when it comes to medicine you know when it comes to gestation and what happens when i mean isn't there also a thing where 
uh, many uh, catastrophic birth defects aren't diagnosed until like so the twentieth week or something like yeah, that. Yeah, between sixteen and twenty weeks is when you find out a lot about oh, uh, the gestation of it. And and there's new reporting that new studies reporting that huh, we used to think it was one out of five pregnancies end up in a miscarriage that women don't know about. Mm-hmm. It's forty to sixty yeah. percent of all miscarriages hmm. happen with. With basically you're a day or two or a week late and right. it's a little heavier and you didn't know you were pregnant. Now, mm-hmm. women are going to prison for miscarriages mm-hmm. these days. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk about that in depth. I was just <sighs> going to bring that up because Clarence Thomas uh, brought up a particular point yesterday with regard to somehow somehow Clarence Thomas landed on cocaine yesterday. Aww, and he brought up the example. Yeah, he brought up the example. Well, if a, if a pregnant woman takes cocaine... And her baby dies. Is that an abortion? It was like that old George Carlin bit mm-hmm. where he's talking about quizzing his priests when he was in grade school and saying, yeah, yo, father, what happens on a holy day obligation and you're in an airplane and you cross the international date line? And the, and the priest obviously has to go, well, it's a mystery. <laughs> Just like that. It was like Clarence Thomas was channeling that kind of question. Like, well, what happens if a pregnant woman takes cocaine? And then- what that means, what that means is women will no longer be allowed to drink alcohol yeah. as long as they're of mm-hmm. childbearing years right. or take any drugs for depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Should they need them or, or pain medication mm-hmm. should they need it? Because it could, you know, abort a fetus. You could have mm-hmm. a miscarriage, ladies. It's very yeah. handmade. It's right. Unfucking believable. So we're going to talk about the Clarence Thomas thing and what it actually means here in just a few minutes on the Shadow Docket program <laughs> on our Patreon page. I just called it a program. <laughs> it's a program. <laughs> yes, that's right. As if it's a TED Talk or something like that. <laughs> Uh, the Shadow Docket is our extra bonus show. It's basically one-third of our Tuesday-Thursday shows, but it's only available for our Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash Show. Meantime, speaking of Patreon, make sure to subscribe to Kimberly Johnson's Patreon. That's patreon.com slash startmeup. It's an amazing show, and she's going to be talking to Jamie Harrison from the DNC very, very soon. So Yay. stand by for that. Also, Jody Hamilton is found at from-the-bunker.com. Also at patreon.com slash from the bunker. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. In addition to uh, the Clarence Thomas cocaine thing, which <laughs> is just insane. What we're really going to talk about is the, you know, the laws that have been slipped under the uh, slipped under the door about, uh, you know, miscarriages and people who have been arrested for having miscarriages because of these laws. We're going to get into all of that on the Shadow Docket Show. Meantime, the Gutfeld phenomenon. I got to talk about the Gutfeld phenomenon on social media. I've observed this over the past 24 hours, and I'll see if there's any validity to it. Plus, uh, something from the D.C. Circuit about the Mueller report and why no one was charged, no campaign staffers were charged. D.C. Circuit wants to know why. So we're going to talk about that, uh, plus some uh, pollgasm numbers and a whole lot more. We'll see you over on the Shadow Docket, folks. Meantime, after party tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.